0: Hey, mujeres. My name is Gladys Codines host of the Courageous Mujer podcast. This season, me siento... Muy excited to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month by focusing on our cultura, our identity, and our accomplishments by getting to know six wonderful Latinas throughout the state. Courageous Mohead Podcast celebrates Hispanic Heritage Month is sponsored by Humanities Nebraska, Dr. Katie White's, and United by Culture Media, an affiliate of the Lexington Community Foundation. We know that we're just scratching the surface, and we will continue to embrace, support, and celebrate each and every single one of you. From Scottsbluff to Lincoln, y desde North Platte a Omaha. ¡Feliz mes de la herencia hispana! Hola mujeres, in this episode I get to interview my friend and leader Carmen Montes from Lexington, Nebraska. Carmen is an Emmy-nominated journalist and has been a great reporter in both Nebraska and Oregon. I'm super excited for you to get to know her. I do want to share that due to technical difficulties, we had issues with audio for the first five minutes. So we're dropping you off at celebrating family members in her life as they move from California to Nebraska.
1: Enjoy. He used to work in the fields. I remember, you know, there's pictures of me as a bald child um, out in the fields in a big red dress, you know, just probably a year old, walking in the fields where they worked, um, him and my mom. And he eventually moved up to being a manager, you know, at one of those farms and working on a tractor. um, Mm -hmm. Right right until before he moved to Nebraska, you know, he didn't want to leave his job. He liked his job. But my uncle, may um, he rest in peace, um, my late uncle, my mom's brother, um, heard, had heard about this new job, this big job that, you know, make money quick and moved to Nebraska. And he bought a ticket for my dad, a bus ticket for him, even though my dad didn't want to come up here. And they moved up here. um in 92 they first it was them two and then they brought us but they worked at ivp what is now tyson it's a meat packing plant back then it it paid a little better probably than than farming but it was a lot of hard work and it still is yeah
0: it still is 100 mm-hmm. so let's you know i like to elevate and celebrate what is your mom and
1: dad's name? What's your late uncle's name? My mom um, my mom's name uh, she passed over a little over 20 years but her name was Isabel Montes uh, Velasco and people probably know her as a tamale lady because we used to sell tamales here in Lexington um, I was a girl with you know knocking on the doors uh, selling tamales um, My dad is Isidro Montes Ortega
0: Saludos to Don Isidro uh, I know he's watching um, so yes lady. It's so interesting because I was a little Tupperware lady, little Tupperware girl. <laughs> I was little Tupperware, little Mary Kane, little, a little bit of Jaffra on the side, you know, <laughs> just a little bit of everything. Just trying to make it work, you know, here in the United States. Very cool. So little Carmen comes to Nebraska and your dad didn't want to come, but, you know, he found employment here. What does that look like for you when you move from California to the state of
1: Nebraska? You know, as a little seven or eight-year-old girl in California, knowing that I was moving to Nebraska, state I had never even heard of, um, didn't even know where it was on the map, um, telling my teacher in first grade, I believe, first or second grade, it was second grade, uh, telling her, hey, I'm moving and I want to party. <laughs> So they, you know, they started looking on the map where it was, and they started celebrating the move that I was going to make with my family here. Um, We moved here, and it was a bit of a shock. I mean, California, you don't see snow. Um, We wear shorts and short sleeve, and that's that, you know. We come here in October of 92, a few months in, and it starts snowing. Um, Our neighbors, because we used to live in in a trailer park, and neighbors uh, would kinda of look out their window and kinda of even come out the door and be like, What are you doing? You're gonna get sick. Because we were barefoot, shorts and short sleeves outside playing in the snow. <laughs> it was new to us and it was fun. So yeah, that was it was a little bit of a shock, but I becoming from a being an extroverted kid to being an introvert coming to Nebraska. So that totally changed who I was in Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. It I
0: I can just picture you in shorts in the snow. (laughs)
1: Little skinny girl (laughs) with long hair.
0: (laughs) Just because we also moved in in the winter. We moved via train Mm -hmm. uh, right before Christmas. And I just, I was in total shock in regards to the snow, in regards to the temperature. It Mm -hmm. was freezing. We did not have a coat, you know, and what I did have, it was a, a thinner coat but it was like leopard style <laughs> I was not a leopard style 7, 8 year old you know I'm like yeah. 9 year old so it was very interesting I still have a picture <laughs> good memories yeah for real <laughs> the memories that we have yeah So then you came to Lexington, Nebraska. Your Mm -hmm. dad's working uh, school. What did school look like for you then? Elementary, high school?
1: Yeah, I was uh, at Bryan Elementary, so I was a Bobcat uh, back then. And when I was in school, um, I was very shy. Um, And then I started being called, you know, the whole show, Carmen Sandiego show, We're in the World. Well, I started getting called that every time. And I didn't really know what they were talking about. And I would just let people cut in line, you know, and we'd go to lunch or whatever. And I was very, very shy. Um, I started getting involved because they had a music program. So that kind of was my outlet um, for me to just express myself was in music. I started in choir and then moved up into honor choir in elementary. I was a very studious girl. I hated being late to school. Um, If I was a minute or two late, I'd I'd cry. And my mom and my brothers and sister were like, why are you crying? We're just a minute late. (laughs) Like, it's you don't understand. It's like I don't like being late to school and I want to be in school. And I loved reading. Um, I was, you know, they'd give me an assignment and I'd write the whole book probably uh, just to get the right answer. (laughs) Um, so I was very, very studious girl. Um, middle school, that kind of my music, my love for music transferred into middle school. Um, and I did in middle school, we had a, a newspaper. It was like a it was a new kickoff thing a, a new startup where our English teacher um, decided to start like a, a little newspaper. It, called, it was called News, uh, News As You Like It or As You Like It News or something like that. And so I was one of the writers, one of the reporters on there and one of the editors, too. And I just wanted to be on the know, you know, what's going on here and there. Um, And I was an annual staff, uh, which I was taking pictures for the yearbook. I got a. I was probably the only student from then back then to get awarded all two years for my annual staff work. So I have those trophies at home, which was really cool. But music was my love, it was my passion. Um, I was uh, in the choir, they eventually took me out to, uh, to do the Sing Around Nebraska program, which was pretty amazing back then. I just loved doing it. And we got to sing different parts of Nebraska, especially in this one big concert that we did, and we had to learn the music in one day. <laughs> to perform it that night, so it's like a lot of pressure. But it was fun. That was that was me as a kid. Um, I loved music and until this day. I still love music, but in a different way. <laughs> um, moved to high school. Uh, well, going transition into high school was a little challenging. Um, my mother had passed um, right before I started my freshman year of high school. I was fifteen. The day I turned fifteen, she passed. Um, so. <clears throat> I lost a lot of the friends that I had in middle school or growing up. I hung out mainly with the white crowd, um, and some, you know, Hispanics. But I, I saw myself where I—I I don't know why—but I, I related more to the to the white population than the Hispanic. I don't know why,
0: <laughs> but that was I, me. <laughs> I went through the same phase. It was interesting. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how much we want to go into it and and like dig it up as to what what happened. Yeah. You know, what was that? What was going on? Mm-hmm. But I, there was different Latino groups within the the Latino or Hispanic community and Hispanic community. Um, so it, it was interesting where you felt welcomed that, and then how you felt you needed to be or it was just a transition in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, cultural identity is really what we're going through is figuring out where we belong. Yeah. So I'm not surprised um, because we all go through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a weird because middle school is all, you know, the white crowd. That, that's who I hung out with. When my mom passed, I still remember it to this day, you know, I went to sit for lunch with my normal crowd and they got up and left. It was just kind of like a quick transition switch, you know, from going from one group to another, because the Hispanic group kind of took me in knowing or hearing what had happened, because everybody in town was like, oh, that's the girl that lost her mom on her 15th birthday type deal. And um, so I... You know, hung out with this. That's where I got more involved in the Hispanic group. And I was still in music, got involved in swing choir. My sister-in-law back then, uh, Stephanie Owen, um, she kind of encouraged me to get involved in in the clubs that she was in, one of them being Pep club. um, And I was wanting to get into more leadership roles in high school. My academics kind of dipped after my mom passed, um, but I still wanted to be that leader, you know, I wanted to have those leadership skills. And so I got involved in student council. I got involved in everything. Soccer is where I met you. So soccer was one of the uh, activities I, I got involved in, um, mainly to lose weight because when my mom passed, I gained a lot. Until um, this day, it's kind of hard to, to get rid of it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I lost, you know, 25 pounds after my my first year of soccer and that summer I wanted to be on varsity because I was on JV. And yeah, I mean, soccer was, soccer and music were my thing back in high school.
0: And such a, a big piece of you, you know, left you mm-hmm. when you were 15. Quinceañera, yeah. you know, sweet 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting going through that transition and going through that big Moment in your life it had to be hard, oh. so shout out to Stephanie for giving you that s- a little bit of strength and support as to how not overcome, but just at the very least try to come out of a very dark stage in your in your life. Mm-hmm. So soccer, yes, we met in soccer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was interesting because I mentioned that our soccer coach didn't know soccer, so he <laughs> used to show us videos, and that's yeah. how we, we <laughs> attempted to, to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were not very good, but we did our best. We definitely tried. And I think we we built friendships through our soccer program mm-hmm. and to see it now. Right. Yeah. Uh, all of the work that Rebecca is putting into Unifoot that mm-hmm. has developed the soccer teams now yeah. and within the school systems, I think is a beautiful thing. And it's such a. I think that we can hone in with our community, with our, with our parents, you know, because my mm-hmm. parents used to go watch football and they still do watch football, you know, yeah. so it's it's really cool to be able to relate to them at that level también.
1: Yeah, my parent, my, my dad wasn't really into soccer. He, I don't ever remember him going to my soccer games because he was working, um, but because I, lear- I learned to have that passion for the game because I was playing it, um, that eventually I got him into it. Cause I was be at, I would be at home when USA or or Mexico were playing, yeah. and, I, and I, you know, you could just see all my passion into the game. I and mean, <laughs> I, there was one time where I threw my sandal because I was so mad because they miss the goal. Like, oh my gosh, why? <laughs> and my dad was like, "What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, you don't understand. They could have done this and they could have done that yes. and they missed it." <laughs> so
0: yeah. <laughs> I think my kiddos. I mean, I just watch TV and I like everybody to be quiet while i'm watching tv because i like to focus you know Mm -hmm. but when i do watch sports like soccer is the one that i'm like yes you know and then the kids are like what 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 is happening mom (laughs) yeah um i don't do it often i should probably do it more but i just i love to see our kiddos now and how it has developed in the history that we made you know Mm because we did we made some history while we were being some of the first to play soccer here in our community for Mm. the for the school yeah. And then you mentioned music. Yeah. So let, tell us a little bit more about music and yeah. then how it helped you or how it inspired you. And then you, you graduated. So let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Music has, you know, since I, in California, they didn't have the music program, you know, when I got into it here, it just, it grew, that passion was just there. I've always loved being somewhat center of attention and music was that, you know, for me, because I was able to be on stage and, and really... Um, honing that skill that I wanted to craft. And and so with me being selected for different groups and things like that, it just kind of propelled me. Like it pushed me even, motivated me even more to, to continue music. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, I got into swing choir, honor choir, and just regular choir. And then I participated in all these competitions um, for singing. And I was at one of them. I actually won second place at one of them, which is, hey. Hey, yes. <laughs> Didn't an expect it. I'm like, hey. <laughs> yes. So, um, that was great. And so after that, like, um, I remember Mr. Davis, Mr. Otero, Mrs. Sullivan. I mean, they just kept pushing me out of or taking me out of my choir class. And, you know, they had a a good reason why. And I appreciate them now for it. (laughs) But at the time I was not very happy, right? It was your favorite class. (laughs) It was my favorite class. I I wish they would have taken me out of math or science or something, but it was always music. And so, um, but yeah, music has always been there. It it helped me be on stage. I think it, it, you know, looking back, it really helped me be on, know how to be on camera and not be shy, um, and get that little Carmen extrovert Carmen back to who I am, I mean, I'm still shy, but not as much Mm -hmm. as as I was when I moved to Nebraska.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about why Mr. Sullivan, Mr. (laughs) Otero and Mrs. Sullivan, I'm sorry, Mr. Davis took you out of choir. So we're going into high school, we're graduating, and then you're gonna have this awesome music career. But they saw something different.
1: Yeah. Michael. you know, every time they pulled me into their office, you know, senior year, and they're like, hey, so what are your plans after graduation? I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a singer. And they're like, what's your plan B? I'm like, that is my plan A and B and C. You know, that's all I want to do. I want to be a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't sing a note now because I haven't trained in a long time. But um, it's just uh, Mr. Otero was probably the first one that started taking me out and whining something out of me. He... Uh, took me and another group of, of Latino students out and talked to us about this full ride scholarship at UNK to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he said teacher, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Don't want to be a teacher. That is definitely not where I want to go. Mm-hmm. My my focus was on music. Um, <clears throat> then when Mr. Davis started doing that, taking me out of class and Miss Sullivan as well, um, they really wanted me to be something more. They wanted me to do something more because they knew music was, you know, it, it's not a, a a more established goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is established goal, but it's not like a something that is a for sure. Right. You know, it's just kind of hit or miss. You know, mm-hmm. whoever wants to. Um, When I was in high school, I even told him like, we've already talked to a record company. You know, this is my goal. We talked to Selena Quintanilla's family. Um, My dad and I got the courage, and I told him like, I really want this. And he's like, let's just call. So we called. We talked to the uh, Quintanilla family. And we were like, hey, this is kind of my dream. What do I need to do to get there? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you need a demo. You need to send us a demo so we can see or hear your voice and see if, you know, if you have what it takes to get there. And so I asked, because I didn't know what a demo was back then. And they're like, well, um, what's a demo and what all do I have to do to get it? And they're like, well, it's going to cost about 2000 if not more, to create a demo. And it's basically just you singing a song and you send it to us and we'll, we'll see. We'll call you if, if it's good. Mm-hmm. Never got there because $2,000 was a lot of money for me. Yes. I was working part-time jobs and trying to help my dad maintain the household. Because when my mom passed, um, before she passed, she told me, that I would have to assume her role in the house as being the oldest woman. Um, <clears throat> basically cooking, cleaning, taking care of my brothers, taking care of my dad, making sure they had what they needed. And that was the role I had to play. So um, when she passed, I assumed that role. I even had to get a job behind my dad's back because he didn't want me working. He needed me at home. I was like, I can do this. you know. Um, after soccer pra- practice, I would go to work for a couple hours and head home and be home just in time to cook, clean and do everything I had to do. Um, so <clears throat> after all of that, um, Mrs. Mr. Davis and Ms. Sullivan said, you know, we were thinking that maybe you can go to UNK, you'd be close to family. Um, but you need to find something that you could do. And I'm like, I just want to do music. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, um, they, uh, I was enrolled in the music program. That's something that I got into at UNK, but, um, They basically told me, you know what, we've already sent, because they wanted me to fill out the application to be admitted, first of all. They sent the fee for the application, which was $25 at the time, and I still hadn't sent the application (laughs) in. And they were like, what is the holdup? Like, you need to fill this out. And they sat me down. They wouldn't let me out of their office until I filled that application out so they could send it. So I was kind of forced into going right. to college, <laughs> um, which is which I'm completely grateful for. Um, once uh, I was still very into you know, I'm like, oh, I'll fill out the p- application, whatever. I got the welcome papers. Um they, my dad gets a call from UNK like, hey, we're just wanting to confirm if Carmen is coming, you know, to classes this fall. My dad's like, yeah, she'll be there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> like, I don't want to go. She didn't get the memo. I'm still going to be a
0: music star. Yes.
1: Yeah. So that was the goal. And those plans changed the first week of college. Yeah.
0: You know, you just gave us a lot. So I just yeah. want to, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I want to dig in just
0: a little bit more. Um, it, Just in regards to the support you had and just reflecting back, you know, to Mr. Davis, Mrs. Sullivan and Mr. Otero and I shared this with, um, I think it was Beatriz, that I remember Mr. Otero and I don't remember the principal's name at that time.
1: Gordon, probably. Yes,
0: Mr. Gordon. They yeah. both walked me down the the hallway and they're like, Gladys, you can go to community college instead of university because that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to head to. And I didn't understand why they were telling me why. I should go to community college, you know, and it made sense now, you know, Mm -hmm. But estaba bien then, you know, I was super mad. I was like, how (laughs) dare you? I can go to university. I can do whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm, I can't say these words. So I'm really good (laughs) at what I do. So I'm going to continue to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just interesting reflecting, no, because Mm -hmm. you were definitely going towards a dream that could happen, right? I, I'm not closing no doors on no dreams, Carla. Yeah. So one of these days, <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, you may be singing for me somewhere, <laughs> and I may put it out there somewhere. But mm-hmm. oh, uh, you know, just having that reflection of you—it know, did help me. Now that I see it, mm-hmm. th- just talk about that a little bit more. How do you see it now? You know what happened from there—that they're like, "No, you need to go to college," and then now that you are a college graduate.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at it back back then, it's just like I was very adamant in my own set of ways. But I think God, you know, kind of uses people to steer you in the way He wants you to go and where your life is meant to go. And I think He put those people in my life for that reason. Um, otherwise who knows where I'd be, who knows what my life would have been, you know, cause singing, I mean, you hear about all these stories that it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy getting into news. It's not easy getting into the celebrity status that all these music musicians have, you know, it's hard work. I, I know a lot of musicians that are still struggling to get where they want to go, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, be top A-list celebrities, you know, or musicians and, and they're still working hard. It's a long journey. Um, so I'm very thankful for them to have guided me forcefully <laughs> to, <laughs> to the way that they guided me. Right. Um, otherwise I don't, I'd probably still be waiting tables, who knows.
0: Yeah. Well, and we'll dig in a little bit more into your career and how that has impacted your career now because you've done so much for not only our community or state, mm-hmm. but throughout the nation. So uh, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit later. So then you go into college, you said one week. Let's talk about that one week, what happened uh, yeah. with the music program out of UNK.
1: Yeah, it was, um, I got the letter. I even have it. I probably still have it now because I, I tend to save a lot of things. But um, the f- I got the letter of being accepted into the music program at UNK. So I was like, oh, I'm set. Um, I was going to all these classes. Uh, then the, the department chair for the music pr- um, program pulls me in, does a uh, vocal test and everything. And then he pulls me into his office, puts in a CD and has me listen to it. And then he's like, if you can't sound like that, which was an opera singer, soprano. Mm-hmm. For one, I'm an alto. I right. don't sing soprano. <laughs> and <clears throat> he's like, if you can't sound like that, then I can't have you in my music program. You're going to struggle a lot. And I asked him, like, I don't want to sing soprano. I don't want to sing opera. That's not the music I want to go into. I want to go into, you know, the Mexican regional music Um of my culture like that's what i want to do right. not opera opera's like i know i can't hit those notes mm-hmm. and so he's like well if you want to continue fine but you're going to struggle i just want to let you know and so my dream completely changed i knew i wanted to be on camera like that was my thing i knew i wanted to, i wanted to be in that kind of platform because i w- not just wanted to do it for my dream but i wanted to be able to have a platform where i could help people so that was the whole intention behind it um so I start going through the you know catalog back then it was like a, a big thick book of the majors that oh you could, yes yeah. I remember that book <laughs> so it wasn't digital like they have it now yeah. you'd have to go through a book look for what classes and careers you want to go through so I started going through it and I you know looked up broadcasting and I'm like oh I guess that's tv I'll do that mm-hmm. I go into the department for uh, broadcasting and or communications and I speak to Dr. Keith Terry um and he's like do you know how to play a cd player I'm like yeah who doesn't <laughs> like,
0: Hello.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's like, all right, we'll enroll you in a radio class. And I'm like, what's, I'm I'm like, okay, whatever. So I do radio class, not knowing what I'm doing. I was a radio DJ for a year, my first, or two years. My first year was because of classes. The second year was because they asked me to come back because they liked my show. And through all those classes, obviously I had to take news class, how to report, how to, you know, a media Everything you know everything that had to do with media so <clears throat> that's where my love for news I mean looking back like I mentioned as you like a newspaper in middle school yeah then annual staff I had something it was building up mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it so even <laughs> like I it's just the God's path I guess um, guiding me to where I needed to be in broadcasting so that's kind of where it kind of switched from music to to news yes
0: and you know, just because I like to let me go back to that professor the, mm-hmm. in music program and just say UNK was not equipped mm-hmm. to be able to uh, receive, uh, embrace the Latino culture within their music program at that time. Mm-hmm. And if anything, you know, if anybody's listening, our hope is that for future Musicians that want to go into regional, mexicano or whatever their goal is, you know, we have mariachis, we have Mm -hmm. salsa, merengue, reggaeton. I mean, we can we have a diverse set of musical skills as Latinos and Hispanics that. Our music programs within these universities Mm -hmm. can definitely embrace that, especially if you're trying to seek more Latino, Hispanic students within your programming. So Mm -hmm. very interesting. Hopefully we tap into something there. I I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully (laughs) somebody's listening, you know, light bulb goes
1: off. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hello. (laughs)
0: Um, and also encourage high schools, you know, because mm-hmm. high schools also have great band programs. Yeah. But if we can tap into our music, mm-hmm. man, can you imagine?
1: Yeah.
0: It'll be beautiful. I know Grand Island has a mariachi now, which is wow. really cool. Uh, Lincoln también, I think they have a mariachi That's too. Amazing. It's really cool to see it and to be able to embrace your culture mm-hmm. within something you love. And you can uh, continue. You continue mm-hmm. to grow and your school will celebrate you as well as yeah. you will continue uh, to, through a university program and possible career. Mm-hmm. Porque quien sabe. Yeah. You know,
1: nobody knows yeah. the
0: potential that we have as individuals.
1: Yeah. And I feel like with those limitations, if you don't have those programs, you're limiting the individual, Yes, you know, where they want to go and what they can achieve. And that's, yeah. I think that's where, in a way, I was a little bit limited from when I started off. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So no, I, I agree. I, we had, uh, Chris and I met with a professor at a CCC and he's super smart. Doctorate degrees like no other. And he said they kept telling me I couldn't. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't, he didn't have a mentor. And what he could be, mm-hmm. you know? The potential that we have um, in those people that limit us because Mm -hmm. they don't see it yet. Yeah. You know, so it's very interesting. We'll put that there somewhere, you know, we'll come back (laughs) to it some other day. Um, But then you went into broadcasting, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. You uh, did so much throughout. I love that you connected it, you know, to middle school and high school Carmen. You know, the the little Carmen that didn't see it coming, but I... Now you're here, mm-hmm. you know, doing big things and broadcasting and news. Yeah. So you're in college. Yeah. What is happening in the university? Did you find yourself a little bit more, you know, with broadcasting, that, with school? What helped you throughout your university time? Let's talk a little bit about yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I mean, college was a bit challenging at the beginning. Um, like I mentioned before, like my role had changed from being a teen to taking on this different motherly role for my family, um, kind of a tar- caretaker for them. And that con- that continued into college. Um, you know, we, we talk about how challenging, how different the challenges we face as Latinas versus those that are not, not Latinos, mm-hmm. you know. We um, go into college, at least from my experience, I went to college, I still had, I had to be at my dorm at a certain time for my dad to call and check up on me. Um, if I wasn't there, he'd have a fit and be like, where were you? What were you doing? And, you know, who were you with? And so <clears throat> eventually he got me a cell phone. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a little challenging the first year. Um, but, yeah, weekends I would go back home, take care of my dad, cook, clean, and make sure my sister was doing good in class. And my brother, he ended up dropping out, you know, at school. But um, it was just – very different for me. And I my roommate, Nayeli Quintero. Um, I thank her for for the advice she gave me. Um, although there was a certain things I wish I could have said no to. <laughs> because she said if they invite to invite you to a party, if they invite you to an organization meeting, if they invite you to anything, just say yes and go so that kind of helped me you know i took her advice to heart and i went to a lot of things and i got to meet people and that's where i met up with you again you Mm -hmm. know and i knew about the hispanic student association and i got involved in that and eventually ladies mix you know ladies mix was a huge outlet for me to really express that music that i hadn't been able to express because that that one department chair Mm -hmm. um because once he He told me I couldn't do music. I shut it down. I didn't do it anymore. But Ladies Mix was kind of the open door for me to continue expressing myself. And I loved it because there wasn't just Latinas. It was African-American, Asian, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And I loved it because we weren't just doing Latino music. We were doing... Every single type of music. I remember dancing to Asian music, which is very difficult to do. Yes,
0: yes. We even had belly dancers. Do you remember? Yeah.
1: yeah. It was just... (laughs) That was hard to do. I I couldn't
0: figure out the toe
1: thing. No, no. And so it was just, it was amazing. We got to learn a lot culturally, you know, on our own about it. I remember going to college and there wasn't very many Latinos. I think that was when we started seeing an increase. Mm -hmm. Because I remember you've talked about it where when you were in college, there wasn't really... Any Hispanics. Yeah, and it just,
0: so. uh, The ability to, I think you and I have the same type of feeling. We're going to get back. We're going to go back Mm -hmm. to our community. We're going to tell and share and say you can do it. You know, so we had the opportunity to go to our high schools, to different high schools throughout the state. We had the opportunity to start a conference for high school students. Mm -hmm. We had ladies mix so then we can embrace our culture, cultura with music and community and mujeres from Mm -hmm. all types of shapes and sizes and cultures. Um, and
1: then you also, out of that, you started a sorority. Yeah, it was um, something that basically wasn't really something I, I was planning on doing. Um, but it wasn't just me. It was, we were a, a large group of, Lat- of women, not just Latinas. We had Asian, everything, uh, white. And it down, uh, came down to seven of us. And we have a Native American, we have an Asian, we have a white, Latinas um, that c- created the first Latina-based sorority on UNK campus. Mm-hmm. And I think that opened doors to other organizations, to other Latina or multicultural sororities as well. Um, there was a fraternity that was Latino-based. Then we came on the year after or within the same year, I think. I don't remember the dates. But, um, but yeah, it was a, another venue to kind of get to know other women because I didn't have, I didn't have a big sister. My mom was gone. So I didn't have that connection of an older role model, woman a female role model to look up to. I didn't know how to put on makeup. I didn't know how to dress female. You know, I was just doing my own thing. And so <clears throat> for me to be able to be a part of these groups, I started forming my identity as to who I was. Um, at the beginning, I feel like I I let a lot of people take advantage of me, of my motherly instincts, and, and I would cook for them. I would buy the food, cook for them, and, and clean up after them. So it took a toll. And when I joined the sorority, they are like, you know, you need to stop doing this. So it kind of gave me that confidence to be like, no, you know, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to put something in. Right. Or you're going to have to wash dishes or something. Right. Right. <laughs> like, I yeah. can't do it all. So each organization um, gave me something different to be able to be who I am mm-hmm. and become who I am.
0: So, Very cool. So, then you and that's a big step that happened during mm-hmm. our college years. I think yeah. that was great that you that that sorority came to life. Like you said, not only that your sorority start Lambda Theta Nu, but also other sororities were able to come and join. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing years after, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to count them because so it's, it's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, my my chapter um, is a nationwide chapter, but you know, here locally, it's we've been in at UNK for I think. A little over fifteen years, mm-hmm. yeah. So, well, I didn't want to count them.
0: You just—it's been you a just while. Said, you yeah. just said the it's number. Fifteen years, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's been, it's a, been while, a while, yes. But fifteen years of a sorority yeah. and that supports itself, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, now cause a themselves a home in the University of Nebraska mm-hmm. Kearney. so that's really cool. Yeah and
1: I honestly haven't really been active within the chapter and I, I see some of their stuff that they post and the other organizations post and I, I'm proud of who they're, what they're doing. Back in, you know, in college there was that rivalry, rivalry when that other organization came on but being out of college you have a totally different perspective it's like okay let that child go <laughs> and now focus on the um, the achievements that these women, as women, mm-hmm. are are creating. You know, the, most of them are family members, um, mothers, and wives, and and businesswomen, and everything. And that just makes me so happy to see them keep climbing the ladder. Yes, that sorority bias and all this stuff is long gone. You know, I I appreciate I uh want to celebrate those women that continue to grow and mm-hmm. who they are and achieving the things that they're achieving because they're not just doing it for them. They're doing it for a whole community of Latino women mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we have little people that look up to us. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah and can relate mm-hmm. and can say, Carmen did it. I can yeah. do it too. Yeah. You know, we have doc- doctoras. We have mm-hmm. administrators in the school systems. We have counselors. It is yeah. it is a wonderful thing to see once you graduate college to be able to see all these wonderful women mm-hmm. making such big impact in the state of Nebraska, yeah. kicking butt and taking names, you know, and it's really cool to see it. And hence yeah. why Courageous Mujeres here, yes. you know, to be able to celebrate <laughs> and elevate our fellow Latinas throughout the state. So yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. All right. So... We graduated, you kick butt, you got some ladies mix, you dance, you know, and then (laughs) you 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 built a sisterhood. We're in career mode. What happened? What did you do right away? Because, you know, it's interesting, you know, you graduate and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. This is my career. I'm going to do X and I'm going to go straight to it. And then sometimes
1: that doesn't happen. And that's exactly how it happened to me. I didn't go straight into TV or news. You know, it took me three years after I graduated to get into it, get my foot in the door. I mean, I was applying, don't get me wrong. I was working my butt off to Mm -hmm. apply for all these places, um, but nobody was taking in a Latina, you know, which was heartbreaking. Um, I applied to NTV several times and never got got called until three years later. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, after college, I ended up working at a hotel as a receptionist, uh, overnight receptionist. So it was hard work schedule was not my thing. Yeah. (laughs) Breaking overnights. I worked there for three months. It was something I did not care to do because I was missing out on family time, you know, and it was hard. Um, then I had one of the girls in the sorority email me and be like, Hey, you know, there's this opening, uh, from migrant, uh, uh, or my uh, migrant agricultural office supervisor. I'm like, I don't know what that is, (laughs) like not thinking about my background and my family's background in agriculture. Um, So I was like, oh, you know, I'll go ahead and go for it. I mean, it pays more than what I'm making now, Mm -hmm. and it'll be better hours. So I went for it, and it was hard doing that because you had I mean, they're grant-based, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. Grant-based, you can do certain things, you can't do certain things. Mm -hmm. And there was people coming into my office that needed help, needed financial help, or needed guidance, and I couldn't help them because they didn't meet a certain criteria. And then <clears throat> that just I, I feel like and I, I've always expressed this where I felt like my wings kept getting cut. Like I wasn't able to fly. Right. And I'm like, this is not what I want to do, you know, and I wasn't getting along with the people I was working with or I was supervising. Um so there a new 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 office director for another organization, the Multicultural Coalition, had started. And he kept coming up to my office first, you know, to get to know each other. And then he kept coming up. He's like, when do you want to come work for me? And it's like, no. (laughs) What are you going to offer me? You know, what's different? Yeah. He's like, well, you can be my migrant advocate or my uh, community outreach advocate, some title like that. And so I was like, what would I be doing? He's like, well, you'll be advocating for the community, you know, doing resources and stuff like that. I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, well, I want this much salary wise, though. You know, I'm not going to go for something less. And so he eventually came back and he's like, I got it for you. Come work with me. And so I ended up leaving and going to uh, the Multicultural Coalition. I was there for uh, about a year when things, I mean, throughout the year, it was, beginning was fine. I was doing events, doing things, but I wasn't really fulfilling that title, the, you know, community outreach advocate. It wasn't, I wasn't really doing anything. I was more of a highly paid secretary. That's what it was. (laughs) So um, I wasn't using my skills of any sort with what I'd learned in college. Um, And then he eventually, like I was eventually starting to do his work, minus the grant writing. So I was doing his work, being at the office while he wasn't there. And then it came down to the point where I was just at my last straw. I was coming home crying because I didn't want to do this job. Um, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I wasn't helping the community. And, um, he comes to the office and he's like, you know what? I think you're, you're costing me money. I'm like, Hmm. Okay. Time for me to leave. Right. Right. <laughs> I shouldn't have to deal with someone telling me I'm costing you money yeah. when I'm doing your work, you know? So I ended up leaving that at that time. That's when I got offered the the job at NTV three years later, <laughs> it was part-time. I was a booking producer. It was my, my way in the my foot in the door, mm-hmm. and so I started in news. That's how I got my 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 foot in the door. I just want to take a quick moment and do this
0: <laughs> for knowing Thank your you. worth. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, one when, when you said I can't leave this job until you pay me this mm-hmm. is such a big step for us Latinas to even be able to say that because mm-hmm. we don't ever advocate on behalf of ourselves. Yeah. We don't negotiate salaries. We're the least paid. You know, Mm -hmm. if we want to look at data, research data Mm -hmm. um, in regards to how much Latinas get paid and then just putting that foot down y diciendo, okay, yeah, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. done with this. I'm not happy here. You're not giving me what I need, I'm not able to provide what I think is necessary for our community in my role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to NTV, which is, like you said, a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And I know all the work that you did through NTV. So tell us a little bit about how you started and then where it went.
1: Yeah, NTV, I started as a booking producer, booking guests for the Good Morning Nebraska show, as well as a good life and the noon show. Um, so for me, it was completely different. I didn't know what I was doing, but they, um, Basically, I think they hired me because I had a lot of connections in the community. And so I knew a lot of people. um, And I was basically calling people, hey, you want to be on the show? You have a good recipe? Come cook it on Good Morning Nebraska. Get your name out there. You have a restaurant. Let's get get it promoted for free. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was kind of how I was doing that. Um, After six months, they saw the the work that I was doing and they liked it. Um, And so they hired me on full time. So full time, I could get benefits. When I was part time, I was working the NTV job. I was living in Grand Island, so I was driving to Kearney to Axcell because out in the boonies, yeah, <laughs> um, literally in the middle of a cornfield. So I was driving to from Grand Island to to Axtel and then driving back to work my two other jobs, so I can you know sustain myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I got full-time, that was a little bit more relaxed. I was still driving, making that financial um, investment of my vehicle and driving and time-wise. Um, eventually, they um, started training me to be a reporter and then being in front of a camera. After I, I did a cooking segment on Good Morning Nebraska, and they liked my, I guess, how I was on camera and my presence. So they, my news director knew that I wanted to do reporting and he knew I wanted to do something in Spanish. Um, cause that was always my goal to do something in Spanish. And so when I started, um, anchoring reporting, my first story was a bullying story or not a bullying story. It was a new year's festivity thing. And it was, you, if I go back and look at it and so like, Oh my gosh, poor little Carmen. <laughs> I was like, I was yeah, it's totally different. But um then eventually my story was an in-depth story on bullying, um cyberbullying and th- there was this one girl I in Lincoln, I believe, uh where she got bullied to to the point where she was almost killed on the side of a road. Um but they, the lawyer kept calling and calling me, and I'm like, why are they calling me? I don't know. <laughs> like I don't I'm not I'm barely starting. But they had, I don't know what it was, but they called me and I did that story. And then um, after I had enough anchoring uh, experience, um, they eventually, um, Marilyn Barnett and my news director Matt Wiesner, decided, you know, hey, you know, Carmen wants to do Spanish, Why don't we let her and do a Spanish webcast? And that way it's digital. We reach a different population with our own language and we fulfill that gap. So we started doing that. That launched in February of 2014. I'll never forget that because I even took a picture of myself Um, and that's the most genuine smile I probably ever have taken of myself. I was so happy that I had finally reached somewhat of my goal, of my dream, of having a Spanish newscast. So from there, it was called Sus Noticias al Instante and I was a one man show. I was producer, editor, uh, anchor, reporter, everything that you can think of—I was that for that show. And to think about it, you know, almost seven years
0: later, I I, always, and I don't know. Some people follow me because of my advocacy work, but it has been with this yelling and kicking and screaming of where is our Spanish news? where is our Spanish information? I mean, the pandemic was front and center for that. We did not get any Spanish information from our city, from our county, it was really hard to get it from our public health department. Mm -hmm. And you were so futuristic in your thinking, you know, and NTV gave you that space to be able to do this. Uh, And you were such a, you, you filled such a big gap. And yeah. a lot of our community follows to this day, you know, mm-hmm. you and your career, because you gave us the news that mattered to us, um, you know, from the general stuff, to very intimate pieces about immigration, bullying, racial bullying, um, conversations about ice raid. Um, mm-hmm. We've had a lot of conversations, you and I in regards to those pieces. so i'm I'm truly grateful that you were thinking about this seven years ago and you made it happen and you filled this void that to this day, you know, still there, but, um, we're seeing different people trying to follow your lead.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was hard. I mean, you, I just kind of, I think it has to do with timing. You know, they always say wait on God's timing. And I think for me, it was just that. Cause when I had, you know, I mentioned I had previously applied for MTV, never heard a word back. Um, <clears throat> and then when I started, it was because a new news director took the position. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, God was moving pieces at the right time, you know, and that was my my, my foot in the door with him. You know, he saw something. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just him. I mean, from him and Marilyn, from Carolyn, Ronnie, from The Good Life Show, they they supported me. They gave me that feedback, that push, motivation to keep doing what I was doing. Because right. they understood the necessary the need that there was in the community um eventually molly uh, baker jumped on as my director so she's like you know she would help me with camera angles why don't you do this do that and that was a huge support if i i, I, I could be wrong but i think i was the first latina anchor at ntv mm. i was the first probably latina at ntv um and eventually, after I started, because I even took, like, I kept looking around. I'm like, I don't see anybody that looks like me at NTV yeah. at all. Um, and eventually, um, my news director, I had expressed my, my feelings towards him. I'm like, why don't you hire more Hispanics? Yeah, <laughs> We need them, and it would be great if I could get the help. And so he eventually hired a couple more Hispanics. One of them was my good friend, Nadina uh, Cisneros. And when I was doing the live remotes for the Nebraska State Fair as a booking producer on on scene, um, she would help me translate the webcast while I was over there. And I would just fix it up a little bit and then present it. Because I wanted our community to get the same treatment As our Anglo community, I wanted them to have access to the Nebraska State Fair, which eventually now I'm seeing that they're doing Nebraska State Fair this year. I I feel bad that I was not a part of it, but so happy and excited that they included us. Yes. This year. Mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, finally, it's (laughs) coming to this. Finally, several (laughs) years later, we're finally seeing representation Mm -hmm. um, at the Nebraska State Fair at a state level. And then I eventually heard with COVID, because I was getting a lot of messages when COVID hit. um, Where's our news? Why aren't you doing our news? You know, we need you in Nebraska. And that was such a heart. I felt so heartbroken because I couldn't do it. You know, I had moved. But um, then, you know, other people started filling that void, including yourself, Mm -hmm. which I was so excited to finally see um other people doing it and it had our community didn't you know wasn't left abandoned right but then I was somebody messaged me from NTV, some of my co- former colleagues that like hey the governor is actually doing press conferences in Spanish I'm like what <laughs> like this is mind-blowing I'm like our state leaders are finally taking us into consideration that's exciting and it is it
0: and you know Baby steps, mm-hmm. one step forward decent and then two steps back, you know, because yeah. he's no longer doing them in Spanish anymore. So the visibility factor, we're not invisible, yet mm-hmm. we get treated as though we don't exist, right? Yeah. It, it is such a... Big piece in my mind uh, with COVID, with meatpacking plants, as you know, um, what happened here in our community. And then just the health equity overall, absolutely no information in Espanol, where you can get your vaccine, where you can get your test, where Mm -hmm. you can get information or assistance. You know, we're hurting. We don't have any financial assistance. How do we get it? We did it for you in case. So let me go ahead and do it for the news people out there in this world. If you're currently a news broadcasting channel, whoever entity here in the state of Nebraska, and you are not taking advantage of this opportunity and potential of having a Spanish newscast, webcast, whatever you want to call it, and not translate the information in Spanish, you are missing out on a market that is very profitable. Mm -hmm. So economically impacting, but life altering for a lot Mm -hmm. of our community that speaks Spanish. Uh, We have money. We've spent a lot of money here in the state of Nebraska. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) if we wanna bring up the data again, uh, we can, but it's just, it's so mind blowing that to this day, we're not seeing that. We're not seeing a channel saying, you know what, We'll take Carmen's lead and we're going to do this. Yes, we see Telemundo out of Omaha. Um, They've come back and forth to Grand Island a couple of times. We Mm -hmm. have a couple of radio stations, one in GI and one in Omaha, you know, Abril and Mundo Latino Mm -hmm. kicking butt and taking names as well. Another courageous (laughs) mujer in journalism. And then, um, Doña Berta Garcia out of Buenos Dias. Nebraska Mm -hmm. in Grand Island we have Adi Fernandez in North Platte trying her best with Las Mañanitas with her Mameves Mm -hmm. so Saludos Um, it's just filling that gap Mm -hmm. and you're seeing normal people and like yours truly <laughs> trying their best, you know, to fill a gap that is such a huge piece. You mm-hmm. said it, you know, I have to produce, edit, lighting, todo, you know, and writing it and translating it, interpreting it and going to places. Mm-hmm. This it's huge. It yeah. is not easy. I never thought it is this hard you know and like I have this partnership with my husband and he's currently here listening to us to make sure our audio Mm -hmm. is good and having the video and the lighting you know it if I had to do that I don't I don't know if I would um I did it from my basement, you know, Mm. the first time I recorded. And I recorded for like three hours yelling at at Chris. I was like, no puedo. What do you want me to do? I can't do this. You want me to look at the camera? You want me to look at this? There's so much (laughs) stuff, you know? Yeah, it's a technique for sure. Yes. So you have it down and you had it down. And I'm super grateful for that time that you gave us here in Nebraska. And I know we got to keep we got to keep it going. So let's talk a little bit about Univision. How did you get to
1: Oregon? Oh, gosh, that's a it was very challenging. I mean, it was hard to get into news, get my foot in the door. It was even harder to get into Spanish market, Um, even being Latina. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, you know, they say, well, if you're born here, your Spanish is not good enough it's like, well, I went to school to get my translation interpretation degree. (laughs) Like, I have that. I have been speaking Spanish, you know, since I can remember. Um, But, yeah, it was just a very challenging thing. I had applied, you know, after, well, being at NTV, I had, I kept advocating for a Spanish news channel Mm -hmm. um, after many failed promises that never happened. We even had a a meeting with Fox Latino, um, with the general manager and Fox Latino and my news director. Um, and then after that meeting, nothing ever happened. So it was very heartbreaking that we couldn't evolve or, you know, um, that portion of my dream to launch it live for. For people that sit at home, we know that our generations are, our parents still watch TV. And even though our platforms are changing constantly to digital, our, we still have the old the elderly, the you know some generations are still very um, at home watching TV mm-hmm. and that's where our Latino population is. Um, even though I gave them, I presented them with a list of businesses all over Nebraska that could contribute in marketing to make this profitable, to make it happen. it didn't go anywhere. So it kind of fell on deaf ears. It was only one, um, and I don't remember his position, but he was basically the, the manager of sales at NTV back then. He's now at NRG Media. Um, but he advocated, he sent me, he sent us emails every single time of showing us how the Latino community was growing. He was Anglo, or he is Anglo. And so for me to just have his support in those emails mm-hmm. and pushing my news director, pushing the general manager, Um, was something I I appreciated so much. But it fell on deaf ears. and never went anywhere. So I got to a point in my career where I'm like, I'm not growing as a reporter. Mm -hmm. I'm not growing as an anchor where I want to be. And not just English, but in Spanish. So I need to find other outlets. When I had just started um, the webcast, I got an email from Univision, Kansas. Um, I thought it was a joke. (laughs) Not a joke to the sense where I, uh it was you know less than what i expected no it was a joke cuz i didn't think i was good enough mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. you know um i thought they were like up here and i was down here and so i didn't, i didn't think i thought it was a scam so i sent i showed it to my uh coworker marilyn i'm like is this for real Do you know this station? Because I'm like, I don't know if I can trust it. (laughs) And so she checked into it. She looked at She's like, oh, yeah, they're like a super big market in Kansas. Like you need to, like I would have applied there. So you need to go for it. And when I contacted the news director, he's like, you need to send me a a demo, a reel of your work. And I'm like, I just started. I don't have what you want. Mm -hmm. And so I worked towards that. And eventually in my mind, I think I put myself down because I didn't think I was valuable enough where I didn't have what it took to be at Univision because we all know Univision or Telemundo is like high up there yeah it's a huge dream and I always knew I wanted to work for Univision um since I mean you go back to my senior year in in college and that was you know my my speech you know at awards night I'm gonna work for Univision I'm like well (laughs) you are it's like yeah doing it that's my goal (laughs) and so um when I didn't go for Univision, Kansas, um, years later, towards the point where I was getting frustrated, I wasn't growing, I started applying to all these stations. Then I was invited to be a, on a panel for media at a Latino Summit conference. And that's when I met Maya Signs. She used to work in Omaha for um, Channel 3, I believe. And <clears throat> she's like, oh, you know, you should talk to my new, my former news director. He works for Telemundo Colorado. I'm like, that would be awesome, yeah. you know, connections. So we started that process, and eventually he ended up moving throughout my process of applying. He got transferred to California. So that kind of ended there. Mm-hmm. It didn't go anywhere. Um, and then I got I applied at other places. I applied in Texas. I even called the news off the news director's office in Texas for Univision, and they laughed at me on the phone and hung up on me. So like, okay. This is out of nowhere. So I felt very put down because I was at that point where I was like, I need to move forward. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so I saw that my company at NTV Sinclair, who owns that who owns NTV, had an, a vacancy in Portland. I'm like, I'll never get it. And who knows if I'll even move up there in Oregon, you know? I applied anyway. Um, and then a couple months later I get the call. They're like, hey, we have a position for you. Let's talk. And we talked, they flew me out there, interviewed me. They, they liked my work. Uh, the news director liked my work because um, the producer, I, I guess, didn't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. So I got hired on. And that's at the point, too, where I was like, I need this much to be able to make it up there because yeah. cost of the living yeah. is a lot higher. So I was always kind of pushing my bar for salary. Mm-hmm. And that's something I had to learn. And I'm still learning on how to negotiate what I'm worth. And there's times where I'm like, am I really worth that much? Will they even give it to me, or do I need to go lower? So it's been a challenge, but I moved to Oregon.
0: <laughs> For
1: Univision, yes. Yeah. So oh, yeah. shout out to
0: anybody and everybody yeah. that's listening from Oregon, following your story. This yeah. is, I think, it's eye opening. You know, mm-hmm. because in my eyes. It, it went boom, bam, boom. You know, like mm-hmm. Carmen se fue on TV, y luego <laughs> se fue a Univision. You know, like yeah. you already had your ducks in a row, and you were oh, headed yeah. somewhere. But you hear all of these barriers. Mm-hmm people that didn't believe, you know, and then you, you still excelled yeah. and I love, and we haven't had a chance in the podcast to talk with anybody else about salary mm-hmm. and advocating for yourself to get paid what you're worth. So I really appreciate you bringing that yeah. up because we don't, you know, mm-hmm. I've had various times that I have had to, you know, uh, advocate on behalf of myself and they, the person did or did not believe that I was worth it, you know, mm-hmm. um, future stories to come about this, yeah, you know, because yeah,
1: definitely.
0: <laughs> it's not, you know, we're, we have similar stories in regards to that. So you have gone to Oregon, you do Univision, your dream mujer. Mm-hmm. You shouted it out. You made it. Affirmation <laughs> it decent, you know, like yeah. you just you gave it to the universe. It came to you. Mm-hmm. How was Oregon for you? I, I followed your work over there. I yeah. know you were doing some hard stories over there too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I moved in a in a moment that we I mean none of us expected. Mm-hmm. Um I moved uh, June of 2019 and the first month or so, I think it was the first month or two months, they didn't have me reporting just because i i had told them you know i'm i'm i was honest open with the news director and i told her you know what moving to a bigger city is kind of challenging for me i'm in nebraska where everything's like a minute away <laughs> like it's not yeah. far yeah and so that was a huge challenge and i had never worked on editing on a laptop um i was always at a computer desk mm. um, cuz my work didn't really require me to go far away and edit and come back so she gave me time to get adjusted which i'm eternally grateful for Mm -hmm. um and then i had i worked with a couple photogs because in a bigger city you have a camera person Uh, well if you work for the english station spanish you're still on your own so i was dealing with a carrying laptop tripod camera microphones everything to have with me for whatever i needed and dealing with how to connect the computer to make sure my work got in there in time, the whole computer system, it was so challenging um, the first couple, the first year. Um, and then the way the producer wanted certain things, whether versus how I did things or how, you know, training as a journalist um, do things. Um <clears throat> It was very different because he comes from a, he came from a newspaper background. So TV and newspaper, we may tell the same stories, but we tell them differently. Mm-hmm. And news, you get a minute and a half tops <laughs> to tell your story. Right. Um, and that's one thing a lot of people are, you know, when I interview them and it takes half an hour to an hour, they're like, um, and I tell them, like, it's only going to be a minute and a half. And I'm like, how are you going to compact all that in a minute and a half? It's like, well, I take the best bites that tell the story. And that's that, you know. And um, if I may, that's yeah. a gift. Yeah, (laughs) it is very challenging. Editing is
0: a gift, so I'm sorry. Yeah, no.
1: Um, But even then, you know, because, you know, he knew I wasn't born in Mexico. I wasn't, or you know, and um, he would start, like, it started to the point where he would tell me I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't going to make it. And it was just, it was kind of a downfall, you know, It, it brought me down. And I'd have to pick myself up and and keep going because I had, you know, agreed to a two-year contract. And I was committed to making those two years. Mm -hmm. It was challenging uh, moving up there mainly because I was leaving my family, moving away for the very first time. I mean, I had traveled for a week or two, you know, and come back. (laughs) This was, like, gone for two years, and (laughs) that was that. So it was very challenging. Well, in the
0: Spanish segment, we weren't able to dig in a little bit Mm -hmm. deeper, but Elvi, your sister, (laughs) she was in our Spanish segment and she asks, what's next? And I didn't ask you that in the Spanish segment, Mm -hmm. but you did touch a little bit about it. Um, You and I can talk for hours. Mm -hmm. We can have segments for all days on all topics (laughs) because we could. It's a lot. Um, But. You know, we have a limited time and space now. I want to give this time to LV. What What are you going to do? I know you're currently at a pause. That's how mm-hmm. I, we said it in Spanish, La pausa. What is What should we expect in the greatness of uh, Carmen Montes?
1: I'm not done yet with news. Um, I feel like I still have a lot to give. But right now, um, you know, like I mentioned, Oregon was a little bit challenging. Not just because of what I was going through at work, but mental health Um, the rioting protests, I was in one of them (laughs) out of nowhere, I was kind of stuck in one of them. Um, but also covering the violence, you know, that has ensued in in Portland. COVID was very mentally challenging. Um, having a sick parent at home, like, or, you know, a very delicate situation with his health, um, Mm -hmm. and not being able to be here for him or for my siblings, like it was very challenging, but for me right now, I think I'm just enjoying family time. I needed a break. Yeah. Um, so at first it was a month-long break, but it's it's, it's it's you know it's extending itself a little bit for personal reasons. But um, I'm still gonna be looking for those stories. You know, I I have to fi- figure out how to do that to continue advocating for our community, our Latino community, mm-hmm. and seeing what's next. I haven't shut the door on anything, um, so we'll see. I know NTV wanted me back. I kind of shut them down, um, mainly because Spanish wasn't on their radar Mm -hmm. anymore, Um, or to the same capacity that it was before. And the offer wasn't there, you know. They offered me what a new reporter was going to make after me having nine plus years of experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't going to go back to that. There's just no way I can't, you know, professionally, I can't do that And. Personally, I can't do that. So right now, my life is news, professional career is on pause, but I haven't given up. I'm still moving forward. Um, We'll see where God takes me. Yes. So we'll see. Well, and just so you know, you know,
0: not only do I support you, but you have a community, a state that loves you and is super happy that you're home. (laughs) And taking care of yourself, you know, Mm because you need to, we need to. Uh, And after living this pandemic life in Oregon, uh, covering those really hard stories, Mm -hmm. um, hopefully you get some warmth and rest, you know, while you're here and a good welcoming because you deserve it. And we're so excited for whatever, you know, is coming up in the future. You deserve everything and more. Um, I'm super excited for anybody, you know, that gets to meet you and gets to take on your gifts because that news, you know, whatever outlet, um, takes you on, we'll be blessed to have you and very lucky to have you.
1: Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that, you know, Nebraska wakes up and, and decides that they need something yeah. more oh, permanent. We need to shake them a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll continue.
0: You know, yeah. I only see greatness for us right now. So, mm-hmm. si no... Yeah. Why not us? You <laughs> exactly. know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, we might as well. Yeah. <laughs> we're here already. <laughs> we're here already. We got mics. We well. <laughs> got cameras. We got lights. You know, yeah. we're making it happen. So very yeah. grateful to have you here. I want to ask you for our young Latinas that are currently out there going through it. Right. You, you and I have gone through it. Mm-hmm. So, to some extent, we're still going through some of it. <laughs> um, any motivational words, any thoughts, any um, guidance to them as they're going through some of their dark nights or some of their good times? Uh, what, what what do you want to let them know?
1: Just never give up. You know, they say keep dreaming bigger. You know, if your dream's not scary enough for you, you need to dream bigger. And that's where I'm at. You know, you it, when you accomplish one dream, you just got to keep looking for your next dream. You keep making that grow, Um, never give up. You know, there's going to be a lot of naysayers, a lot of people, even in our community, unfortunately in our Latino community, we see somebody excel and we want to bring them down to our, you know, to the level. It's like, no, you got to keep pushing them forward, keep pushing them up. So never, you know, find the people that are gonna keep you going. Um, don't focus on the naysayers cause there's plenty of them, especially if you want to get into this business and news, you're going to have a lot of critics. I have my, my share here in Nebraska. I had a lot of people racist comments constantly on every story I made of that focus on refugees or the immigrant population or anything that had to do with Latinos. I constantly get, um, comments. And I mean, if you go back, on Facebook, Facebook is just you know you have those people that can't really tell you to your face um, that what they're feeling, but we just gotta open their eyes. You know, there was one person, in the, a mentor of mine, who told me it's like you know I one of my. M- Parents um, saw Hispanic laying under a tree, you know, in the shade, taking their lunch break. And he said, you know, hey, look at that lazy bum. That's why we have a lot of Latinos, or our economy economies like that because of the Latinos. And she looked at him and he's like, you, she's like, you, you know, that's they're just taking a lunch break. They're not undocumented. They're wor- working. They're just taking a break. They're not doing anything. They're not, you know, robbing a store. <laughs> You know, we have our bad apples, but we're good people. You know, we got to open, they got to open their eyes. We got to kind of help them get there. Um, And, you know, just for that Latina out there that, or Latino that wants to continue achieving a dream that they think is impossible because they've had people tell them no, it is possible. You just got to you know push them back. Yeah. Them back. Yes. <laughs> Just bring the shake yeah. it off like <laughs> Taylor yeah, Swift said. Exactly. <laughs> bring the people that are going to be encouraging that are going to be pushing you forward and and like they say surround yourself with people that where of where you want to go. That's definitely a big piece, you know. I tried surrounding myself and I mentioned to you off camera is that You know, I'm in all these journalism um, Facebook groups. There's a lot of them out there. There's one for Latina journalists. There's MMJ, you know, Facebook groups. There's um, people that want to get out of the business um, and go into other industries. There's a lot of help out there now that I didn't have back then. So don't give up.
0: Yes. Keep pushing. (laughs) Take advantage of those groups then, even Mm -hmm. if it's a virtual support system. And take advantage of that. Gracias, well, Carmen. Hmm. Otra vez. No vamos a llorar en esta, en la Español. Sí, <laughs> me puse a llorar un poquito. So I'm sorry yeah. about that. But thank you so much for your time. You gave us both a Spanish and English interview sure. today. Hopefully we get to reach double, right? Yeah, uh, really cool. Nuestra gente, yeah. And then... um Welcome back whenever you want to keep tapping into those issues that we want to talk yeah. about with Latinas within our community. Just let me know and you're more than welcome to come back. Even host, si quieres, you'll take the mic and I'll be like, oh, Carmen's taking yeah. this one. <laughs> <We'll see>. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, obviously, thank you to Humanities Nebraska, um, Dr. Katie White's Lexington Community Foundation for continuing to support our um programming and happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Saludos to my husband behind the mic, behind the screen. Yes. Um, And then that's it. Hasta la próxima, friends. Again, you can find Courageous Mujer podcast at Spotify, Apple podcast and Anchor. I'm your host Gladys Codines y hasta la próxima.